Somewhere in the darkness, there's a man they call the skipper, fast asleep, dreaming of gold. He wakes before the sun does, even though he'd rather stay in bed. Curses the cold in Minnesota. Why is it always so damn cold? He's got a job. You're listening to Stonecast, curling in the Twin Cities with Jordan Wickland and Christopher Lisney. It's uh, August 23rd. We are with uh, curling coach and uh, assistant manager of the St. Paul Curling Club, Jim Dexter, in his lovely home in St. Anthony, Minnesota. Park. St. Anthony Park. Park. (laughs) I I think I botched that last time, too. Yeah, this is the second recording. There's a, a, a hidden Jim Dexter recording somewhere in the ether. We uh, <laughs> yeah. had some technical difficulties, but we're going to try it again. So yeah. this is going to be a lot more scripted, smoother. Any, any mailbag activity since the last time? Oh, we did have some mailbag activity. We got an anonymous email from a SPCC board member insider discussed... All sorts of juicy materials about the upcoming year or two for the St. Paul Curling Club. There were whispers of Super Bowl activity. Yeah, there's, there'll be some of that. Yes. Oh, yeah. So you're aware of this? Well, they come in. The last Super Bowl they came in, and actually the, the PGA came in, too. We had some for there, too. Hmm. But the last Super Bowl came in, they wanted to... You got wanted curling in there, so now wow. it's much more known. It's much better. But St. Paul's a good club to come to because there's upstairs viewing. You can see everything, and you can drink and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And It's kind of fun to go there in the off-season because you see just how much work is, is going on. Have you been down there lately? I was, uh, I was there recently, yeah. I swung in to pay my dues, and uh, I saw the, the windows have been replaced, the glass yeah. up top. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's really it's really a, a great up. The windows are the, well supposedly in since 1912. Well, uh, our board member insider uh, built on that, saying that uh, there was there was quite a bit of discussion, I guess, about dues. Right? What's the one thing everyone loves to complain about? It's curling dues. I never thought this was a big deal. It seems like a steal to me to be able to curl at the curling club for the prices that we do. I believe members are under 200, and then each league is is well under that. Maybe 150. No, it's one. It's two one? 260 for one league and 140 for every other league. So okay, 120 so for a membership, then it's 140 the for yeah. every league. So that was a long process. We tried to do that for like 15 mm-hmm. years. Yeah, and uh, our uh, our BMI uh, revealed that there are clubs across the country that are much much more expensive. Than the St. Paul Curling Club. At, at at one point, the minimum in Chicago was something like nine hundred dollars, and elsewhere it's been as high as like three thousand to yeah. curl for one season. Yep. 
at a larger metro area club. So to all the do's naysayers out there, I say suck it up, work a little harder, and pay the cheapest dues imaginable. Yeah, it's yeah. like a country club except in the winter and not as snooty. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's really, like I told you, well, in the previous message. <laughs> yeah. But I told you, that's, that's one thing. Donnie Satra and myself, we had a couple other people, and uh, we, we made some rules up. And so they really, we kind of shafted the, they called it Super League back then, the competitive league now. And we said, well, how many members do you really have? So we were probably about 800 members back then. And I'm just guessing. And so we said, well, how many members really care, you know, to go competitive? So if you lose 15 members, now you go into other places now, but you couldn't back then. Do you want to lose 15 members? We don't care. So we shoved them to uh, 9 o'clock every Tuesday night. Hmm. And so... And nobody quit anyway, but we, we, we kind of gave them the shaft because we had, it was uh, five, seven, and nine. Yeah, we had, yeah, that was a conscious decision. <laughs> and then it it's rotates now. It's a much better deal now. You know, once we get our brains in, oh, God, we got to rotate them. You know, it's no big deal. So we have some Twitter mailbag stuff. Oh, baby. We're just blowing up on Twitter. Do you tweet, Dex? Do you use no, the, the internet does all the time. to send out does tweets? She? No. Yeah, she, she, she should, we should, well, too bad this isn't live. She could tweet in messages that we could ask you. <laughs> um, but we got this one guy, Mr. Chan. He's from Canada. We, uh, a couple times ago, we did uh, with Gretchen, we had this whole talk about the, the thickness of the Teflon on a slider and why thicker makes it go faster. Um, and this guy said, he's not an expert, but I've read that thicker Teflon is faster because it's stiffer. And warps less on the pebbles. Correct. That's the right answer? Yes, sir. All right. Well, we're going to send a T-shirt out to Mr. Mm-hmm. Chan if as, he claims it. As soon as our uh, Alaskan correspondent, Ben Matheson, <laughs> finishes our logo, which he's assured me will happen soon. And then we had another tweet, um, another interaction, because uh, you had done some tweet about uh, Omaha, Omaha, like there's some Olympic trials or something going on mm-hmm. in Omaha, and... So this uh, Curl Arkansas Sarbin, I don't know who that Nick is. Sarbin. Yeah. Do you know him? Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's the, the, it's Ex-Sarbin Curling Club. Oh, it's a club. Yeah. Oh, well, anyways, so they, uh, they've been interacting, and I told them that in episode five or four or five, when we did Chris Houghton, we talked about Omaha, because I went down to Omaha, and we mm-hmm. talked about their new curling club, and so we had a little engagement there, so... Shout out to those people. You know what they got in Omaha? Real nice zoo. Yeah, that's where we went. Ruby and I went to that zoo. Really? At one point, you saw your father curl and thought, that looks easy. I can do that. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Why I started. I can tell you exactly. We, We had pews, not pews, but rolls of seats. Three rolls behind one through six, and there's... One row, seven and eight. So we're sitting up there, and Don Dunlop was the ex-manager. I was a sophomore in high school. I was only 15 at the time, and so I laughed at him. And another story about Don Dunn, I'll tell you. But I laughed at my dad, and he said, Come on, big guy, get out here and try it. 
<laughs> and we didn't have, didn't sliders weren't, weren't invented then, so it was just a leather sole on your foot, you'd slide on that. Hmm. Maybe wingtips, a lot of people curled in wingtips, so the leather soles were really good, and they were thicker. And so I went out there and made a complete ass myself in about 30 seconds, and I said, <laughs> I'm going to get this. And actually, my senior year in high school, we curled a sophomore year in high school. And there's a famous picture up the, the walkway, sheet one walkway. There's people that curled in the first nationals, they call it. It wasn't nationals, but it was then. Then the next thing about Don Dunlop, I mean, he was <laughs> he's just a crabby old guy. He's really good to me because I didn't have any money then and stuff like that. And he said, you can curl anything you want. He, you pay your one dues, and then you curl any night you want. Well, then I think they changed the the rules that you can't curl up to like four hours or maybe even two hours before a league. Well, no, that came in. Well, Bailby's like, got the ice. He said they're practicing too much on the ice. It wears down the pebble too much, and so you get bad ice. And that that's why that was implemented. I think Bailby's got that in, and it's, it's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing for the pebble and ice makers. But it's a bad thing because people can't practice them. Mm -hmm. So it's a catch-22 type thing. Could you explain the origins of the term hobberdobber? Okay. Uh, my old hockey coach and Manny Comstock, I don't know Manny at all. He's Does he curl with Mike Funstein? Yes. And, uh, yeah, I know yeah, Manny. You know well, Manny. I know of Manny. Yeah. And I, I actually I coach him in football. And uh, so my old hockey coach, we line up for races. And then you have to hustle. The patch in the rear end, and you got to hustle. Come on, little hobber dobber, little hobber dobber. And then we line up a race, okay, hobber dobber time. And we all knew what it was. And it was just a bear of a drill. And so, I, uh, matter of fact, he just passed away this last June. And one of my, my, one of my dearest friends. And, and he, uh, so I even asked him, can I use that hobber dobber? And he's sure. So Manny, and he asked me, can we use this because there's a five and unders bond spiel, the Sunday night league, and Wednesday night and Sunday night, it was a five and unders spiel. Well, now they got, all of them got over over five years' experience. And, you know, they wanted to keep the spiel together. So I said, yeah. So he called me up. He said, hey, Dexie, can you call it the Hobber Dobber? So, well, certainly you can. So it, that's kind of where it came. It's just, you know, hustle up, get going, let's go, Hobber Dobber. So that's what, what really came. When you were a curler, what was like the best part of your game? My sweeping. Like I was known for, I should bring a broom down. I don't have any here, but I got some that got, there's a rink rat it was called, and it was extremely noisy. You had to sweep by your hands, and it was extremely noisy. Can you explain what by your hands means? Not a push room, kind of like a... Like a gyroscope, sort of? No, not to, no. To, to a broom, and it, it had a, they had a bunch of, different types of broom, but just a narrow broom like this, you'd sweep like this, go down the ice and sweep, okay. and that took a lot of Yeah, you of actually have to... Oh, no, you have to... So you're, you're moving your wrists in opposite directions oh, yeah. as you're holding the... Yep. Okay. And I, I like used churning to... butter. Oh, yeah. It's, I tell people that the old days, I tell people, I can teach you how to curl in one year, but it'll take me five to seven years to teach you how to sweep. It was really, really a good art. That's probably what I'm known for. Did you have, like, so when you saw for those brooms, like, was there an art to prevent it from, like, shedding right in front of the rock? Yep. Because I would think that you go, 
piece of hay gets down there, and then yeah. it's like, okay. Well, these, these are synthetic brooms. That's that used to be. The last year I swept with corn brooms is what they're called. I went through 26 brooms. Now, then they were like $12 a broom. Now they're probably $45, $50 a broom, so that's why they came to synthetics. Well, that's three hundred. That's almost 300 bucks. Yeah, and back then I didn't have the money. So I went the rink rats. That's what the rink, the broom. When you were sweeping like that, did you notice a lot of directional sweeping? Like, did that no. have any no. part of the game? No. When we curl competitively, and Joey Roberts, who they won the world twice, he said, how does anybody miss a shot with Mark, my, Mark Arnold and myself with sweeping the rock? Because you can throw a narrow and you sweep it and it'll go just like this, just fall right back. You get on it right away. Hmm. And that was, and then if it was too wide, you could, couldn't do anything if it was too wide. But it was, it was. Uh, so were those brooms, are like the modern brooms more effective or less effective? Well, actually, the Scottish, when Scots came over here, this was many years ago, and they all swept with bush brooms. And I said, what in the hell's going on here now? And so we had a guy who wrote his, his master's on the effects of sweeping on the ice. We had like maybe 10 sweepers down there, and he did it through the whole year. And he had a machine that shoot a rock out. And I and we couldn't use our own brooms. We had to use his brooms, and they they weren't very good. But we had to use his brooms. The first time I swept with a push broom, I took the rock two feet further than I ever did before. Now, not not with my broom, with the brooms that he had. Right. And it was calibrated that to a quarter of an inch. You bring it back and you fire the rock out, and and he had a calibrated. Uh, you shoot down one path and how much it goes and everything like that. So that, modern brooms are more more effective. Mm. That and the ice, that's the two biggest things, the ladies, because they didn't have the upper body strength. And now they do. Now they got, yep. They but got, they do have better balance. Oh, yeah. They Way got, better. They got much better balance. And they're, they're better to look at while curling. Yes. Much better. We won't go into that, though. No, sir. But we could if you find that hidden track we've spoken about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, but that's the ice because you couldn't throw a rock. You had to pick it up, literally pick it up, and you had to fire it. And it was, I would just, I, we didn't time rocks back then, but it was probably, at best, maybe 18 seconds ice. Do you have a general feeling about whether it's better to start with the stone, keep it on the ice the whole time during the delivery, or to pick it up and I'd deliver? Start, I'd, I would, I'd start with stone on the ice all the time. Well, you, you would start that way, and you would do your whole career that way. If I could. Back then, we sure. could. But I would have done it. Yeah. It seems like lifting. I mean, I know that like, like a lot of the big-time old, older Canadian curlers are all big on the, you know, you get more power or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But it seems like you would, there's more room for error. You there's know? a like, huge 100%, opportunity for error. A hundred percent, that's a correct, you're correct. It's really bad. You got to set the rock down exactly, and it's real bad. You, you couldn't slide past the hog line back when we curled competitive, and you had to stop at the hog line. And you know that that, that went out probably I don't know twenty five thirty years ago, probably thirty years ago. Now you can go over the hog line. Got to release it by the hog line, but when you had to stop by the hog line, you you had to put your hand down. So was that a was that a huge deal? In the, cur- in the international curling community when they proposed that rule? 
to, yes. to be able to go by the hog line? That's extreme. Much, much better. Much better. But it was contentious. Pardon? Was it contentious? Were there oh, people who were yeah, there? There probably was the old timers. Well, you can't do that. But. How did you get into coaching? Oh, God, I've coached. I probably was 35 years ago, and Marsha Hallstrand, who was a, still, a, she curls a sick now. She's a girl good curler. And back then, she was fairly competitive, a great softball player. She's left-hander. She's really a good player. She said, but you coach my team. And I've watched enough curling, so I said, oh, I'll, I'll coach your team. So I went down there, and Jerry Tilden is the lady's name. And how I got into coaching was we're doing stuff like this, and we went through lead second, third, and then Jerry threw last rock, and I said, you're always wide on the intern. She said, no, I'm not. So I went down there and explained what to do it. She's always wide on the intern. So uh, I walked off the ice. <laughs> That's my first coaching experience. I walked off the ice and said, you want to listen to me? So Marcia kind of got me into it. She said, come on, you can do it, and I'll talk to Jerry. And, and uh, if she listened to this, I, I apologize, but it's tr really true. <laughs> it's, uh, and then uh, when I got in big time, I used to run some camps and stuff like that, but I got big time coaching Liz Johnson from, she's from uh, Midgey, and she wanted me to coach Cassie. And they're in Bemidji. They're only like 15 years at that time, 15 and 16. And I said, no, I can't do it because I, I can't drive up to Bemidji all the time. They can't come down here all the time. She just bugged me all the time. And so that's Liz, the one who got me to coach Cassie's team. And that was a great experience. And that was probably, a, like I said before, it's, I think she's got the best release in curling. I really, she does. Her and Bud Somerville got two best releases in curling. Have you seen my release? I've seen your release. we got to work on this a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you I, helped my release last year. You said keep your heels down. Yeah, isn't that amazing what that does? Yeah, I, I felt much more balanced, and yeah. I, could, uh, I could slide out past the hack, or not the hack, the hog line yeah. for the first time ever. That was great. So well, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll throw a couple bucks your way, and we'll, we'll do that again. No, I, yeah, I need help. And I've worked with a lot of people, you know, like your wife and stuff like that. And you're, you, you go to Belvich, you don't come to me at all. But um, who I thought, who what I dig, I taught him, dig. taught him how to curl. Belvich, you know, he came to me and said, you know, teach me what you do. Belvich? So, yeah. I like Belvich. He's fun. Oh, he's. A, I, I love Belvich. Belvich. I, there's a bunch of stories I could tell you about. Him. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Yeah, I hired him as a manager, and since I had foot surgery and all that crap I had a number of years ago, and he kind of took over then, then I, you know, I I was just me, but he went to some camps and stuff like that, and Greg from Winnipeg, and it's basically him and myself, we taught him, so he wouldn't be making ice now. If... So... Belvich told me one night because you know he went to Germany, yeah. Which I'd be like really interested. I I talked to Carl Ball, and after he came back from Germany, Carl helps him put the ice in in Chaska. And I said, "Did you notice anything different?" He said, "No." So like I'm really interested what he what he learned, like what techniques he learned. But before he went there, he said that the Twin Cities has got really really good ice, and he said it can be traced to one person 
who uh, kind of like revolutionized Midwest curling ice. I don't know who that is. He said he'll tell me someday. Yeah. Well, it's a couple of people. John Williamson, he put a lot of, he's a veterinarian in uh, central Wisconsin. He, he, uh, he's kind of the first ice, head ice maker for the nation. Hmm. And he put a whole bunch of, you test water and everything like that. But it's really a thing that you, it's, it's a passion and you better have it because you put way too many hours in. Chuck McCann and I, we made ice for, for, I don't know, 15, 18 years. And we only got, we figured it out one year, and we only got, uh, it was like 375 an hour for making ice. You know, you stretch it out the whole time. Now they get much more nowadays, but, and to thank God, I hope they do. They can make $100,000 a year. I, not bad. Yeah, it at seems that. like Craig's there all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's what I used to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'd get there, I'd really get there at 12 o'clock, and I locked up. Wednesday night was my night off. O'Leary worked Wednesday nights, and uh, I'd get there at 12 and do the ice, and then I wouldn't get out till 12 or 1 at night. Mm-hmm. It's just a passion. It's just a real, it's just a passion of love. You just can't do anything else. And Craig's got it. He really makes good ice. He's, he's a good ice maker. And okay. Bellary's a good ice maker, too. Our board member, Insider, also mentioned this. I don't think a lot of people know when you're planning a bond spiel, this is one of the main things you have to be concerned about between the number of draws, the number of people in the spiel, and the quality of the ice. Yeah. He mentioned uh, uh, quite, a, uh, quite a kerfuffle, if I may be so bold, at the board meeting regarding how often to pebble or not pebble and, and really shave the ice between draws at the regular bond spiels, you know, the, the winter carnival and the cash spiels and, you know, the, all, the, all the stuff that occurs in the spring. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> we don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. You'd have to come in on Thursday. You shave it. That's why the national ice is so good because you get off the ice and they shave it every time. They shave and nip it. And technically, there's a lot. I've talked to Hans. Hans, he's the best ice maker in the world. Now, Greg, is a, he's a great ice maker, too. He's taken over for Hans. But Hans, he went, uh, Shorty Jenkins was the chief ice maker. Then he taught Hans how to do and stuff like that. What a great name. Shorty, Shorty Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah. I like he's Hans, since, since passed away. Be a great name he for just a passed dog. away. Hans, yeah. down. Well, he's a little small. I think he's Bohemian or Belvich or uh, not Belvich. Uh, <laughs> but if anybody, had, he, if anybody is Bohemian, it's Belvich. It's Belvich. Yeah. You, you seen that little skull cap he wears? Oh God, yeah, yeah, that's dumb. But <laughs> heard he, it here first. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd get he's rid looking of at you, Scotty. Yeah. Okay. Saint per- Saint Paul Curling Club is a very social club. It's like a social hub. It seems like there's a lot of relationships that are all based on. It's a big club. Very friendly, very club-oriented. So what do you think that we could do uh, as a club or as a community to preserve that kind of club atmosphere? Well, that's kind of a, that's a tough question, but just run it the way we got to run it. Just don't, you know, you, you two guys are a great example. You come down, you've been curling, what, like three years or something now, and you got to make you feel greeted, and everybody's, you got to have that sociability up there. You just... Blaine doesn't have it. Now, Chaska might get it, but it's not there now. 
Although in Blaine, when you go up there, Regan always greets you, and that's pretty no, nice. No, no, that that's no. Regan's really a good lady. She's yeah. really a good. Burr got a yeah. good catch on that one. Yeah, Burr got a good catch on that one. Yeah, he he married up. Trust me. <laughs> he out kicked his coverage. Yep, yep. Love you, no, Todd. The, the, the sociability of the club is really. I think it's really. Don't ever. If he ever lose that, the club will be gone in about five years. Which is your favorite? Curling club, Winnipeg. Oh. How, about, how about favorite Canadian club? The, there. the, the winter, the winter curling club, which now might I heard it might be under. They had racquetball, uh, they had lawn, not lawn bowling, but five pin bowling. And how about Wisconsin? There's a club I know. We covered this last time. There's a club in Wisconsin that Kettle you, Marine, Kettle Marine, down by Milwaukee, and technically I think I told this last time, but it's. Uh, when John well, we Inks, don't. We have that we, last time doesn't we, exist. Yeah, yeah. Sa- savvy listeners yeah. may play the tape backwards and find the first <laughs> yeah. conversation but, with but Jim. Kettle Dexter, Marine, but when John Inks, he wanted to start the Jack McCann. What should you? He asked me, "What should you do?" And I said, "Well, go to Kettle Marine." And that's the best bonds pill I've ever been on. I I went down last year just because they give a jack award a jacket to somebody, and it's a big deal down there. It's a Good deal. And Hedstrom got the jacket last year. To who? Bob Hedstrom. Bob Hedstrom. Okay. So, so we went down there, and uh, Inks, or Inks, he's the one who started the over forty. He wanted to name it Jack McCann for on his memory, and he started the over forty, and that's basically what it started on. Now we didn't have a full time cook up there, so people could bring in stuff like that. Now we we got the. Which is a great Lenny does a great job up there. I just think Lenny's a great cook. But what he, uh, what about Kettle Moraine? Well, it's, it's the, a the free free drinks all weekend. You can get anything you want. I've got food all weekend. Good food. The great great food. They make breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The Saturday night it used to be they'd roast a hind quarter, and a guy from the curling club would grow a cow, just for the curling club. Wow. And, they should name it. And and it's uh it is and they don't do that anymore. They they since passed away, but it's probably about eight, nine years ago. But it was the best beef I've ever eaten in my life. Whatever. I don't care where you go, you go to manage, you go to any place else, it's the best beef I've ever eaten. It was really good. And they have Wisconsin and beef is good, generally. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's a and that that's that's why Jack McCann, they try to get it that way, you know, and now with the drinking and stuff like that, we can't do it quite as much. But it's it's a good deal. It was that's why it was called it. Brad also spoke about Kettle Moraine. Wow. Yeah, Kettle Moraine's I think the best bondsville you can go on. It's just it's it's really it's really uh, and the most I think they have forty eight teams. There's five sheets. They got forty eight teams. I think wow. the dumbest draw you can get. It's been that same draw for every year. Why is it dumb? For those who don't know, like well, the, the the win and lose, and they go different directions. You lose your first game, then you go in the the lame duck that's called the lame duck. If you, you I think lose. he, I think Brad has that jacket, yeah, yep. that patch, yep. right? Yep, it's a famous patch. We, I got one too, believe it or not. <laughs> so you're a lame duck. I'm a lame ducker. All right. Well, I think we should uh, wrap it up. So. Today's episode was sponsored by Pirate Rum. Very good. Very good rum. 
I think that uh, I appreciate them sending that bottle over, and they can send more bottles over if they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dex, I wanted to, we kind of got into this earlier, but I wanted to personally thank you from the our small curling community here of Stonecast, but you've been very influential to curlers everywhere, and uh, so I want to thank you for that service. Um, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been very interesting uh, interviewing you twice. A second time. Yeah. Well, I, I said a lot of things the first time. I didn't say the second time, which is a good deal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's when I called him to tell him that, that we deleted. I'm like, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And he said, well, give me the good news first. And I said, well, you know all those things you told me you didn't want posted on the podcast? You don't have to worry about that. No like, problem. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> no, no. So, Just but, record this now. I know. I'm going to check it. We might have to do it a third time. But I think it's recording. I'll check it. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for coming. They hit the ice. No one's there to see it. There's no press or paparazzi. That's okay. Sleep, dreaming of gold. 